it's episode 105 of our Brooklyn Bites. I am Stephanie. I am Leon. And we went to a toy show this week, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. It was the New Jersey Toy Con in Parsippany, New Jersey. Now, why were we going to a toy show? Why? Yeah. I think because we still can't stop buying toys despite <laughs> being well into our <laughs> adult years. What's wrong with us? <laughs> I'd like to think I have a different motivation than I did when I was 14 or something. Mm-hmm. Even 14 is probably like, this is when some kids are growing out of their toys. And yeah, like 14 is when you probably get like punched in the stomach for you, playing you, with toys. You're trying to become more of an adult. You're, try, you're looking forward to your adult years. I think like 9 or 10 is the cutoff for a lot of <laughs> really? kids. For like, it's not cool to play with toys. Wow. No, I mean, when I was little, mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I think like by eight or nine, everyone was way done with toy playing with. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, not me, of course, but. I, I just continued to like a lot of that stuff. But yeah. I think I look at it in a different light and, you know, we're video game enthusiasts and we're, I feel like a lot of this stuff is interrelated and interconnected in some ways. Mm. And I think the the collecting mentality too takes it, it takes a certain effect. Yeah, yeah. The same way people like to collect games and and movies or music or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that that feeling of I want I want to complete my my collection of other stuff, <laughs> which yep. which could be you know transformers or robots or something else. So, for in my particular case. I was I was most motivated to want to go to this convention because I'm on the hunt for Micronauts stuff. More Micronauts. As if I need more, but... An obscure toy line from... The yeah, I've talked about it before. Or late 70s it started. Late 70s, okay. Mm-hmm. But it sort of had its own life, you know, over the years. Yeah. Still, still around. Right. Uh, yeah, so how'd you do? I found a few things at a few different dealers... And one of them in particular had some pretty good stuff, but I think they're not that their prices were outrageous, but I think they were just market prices. There wasn't wasn't a deal. It wasn't anything special. It was probably something that I can get any time. So even though he had some good stuff, I didn't really think it was a good use of my my con budget to go that route. But I did find another dealer that had a large boxed set of parts. And I say parts because this is the type of toy. It was it was part of the Micronauts line. It was called Mega City. And it was kind of like an Erector set equivalent, but for Micronauts. So it wasn't metal and, and nuts and bolts kind of stuff. But it's, it was all plastic. But it lets you build these semi-futuristic structures that kind of fit the the motif of the, of the toy line. And uh, this particular dealer had a, a nice boxed version of of one of those so i thought let me see what i could get this for he said he couldn't verify that it was complete because of um he didn't have the instructions so he didn't know if all the parts were included but he says to his best knowledge it was well 597 uh, parts is it there is a number on the box Mm -hmm. i forget what it is offhand but it's a gigantic box it's a pretty big box all the pieces were loose. It didn't have any of the material that keeps it together. Mm-hmm. You know, the original ones came in probably like a, a baggie of some kind. There might have been some cardboard inserts to hold some of the pieces together. This was just a loose box. And the box was not in the best of shape. It was kind of 
aged, but not something that would be surprising for something that's... You could still display it. It was nice enough. You could see the artwork. Shelf. It looks you nice. A big enough... I should say wall. <laughs> it's a it big on. box. It's huge. It's a pretty decent-sized box. But, yeah, I thought, let me let me see what I can get this for. And made a little bit of a deal and uh, got it for a bit less than what he was asking. Let's say it was in the $30 ballpark mm-hmm. around there. So I thought that was one thing that I was happy to come away with. There were a few other things that I saw that caught my interest. But I tried to kind of stick to what was a good deal yeah. for the day. And besides that, I got one other item, which I kind of surprised myself by getting because I thought I was done with Star Wars toys or figures of any kind. Like back in 1983, right? Uh, Let's see. I probably stopped in the early 2000s. I decided, all right, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) I can't do it anymore. (laughs) This was after Star Wars made a big comeback in the mid-90s. You know, in terms of their, their mm-hmm. regular toy line, the action figure toy line, at least. I was hardcore for a long time. And then I said, I can't I can't do it. There's just too much product. They keep coming out with more and more stuff every year. I don't have enough space. And I don't want to keep spending money on the same thing to this degree. So I decided to just go cold turkey and cut it off. So I have a lot of it still. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it long term. But I'm probably going to try to downsize if I can. Your Star Wars collection? Yeah. yeah. But with all of that in mind, I still bought a new item this week. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I hadn't seen before. I kind of knew that they were doing this. There were a bunch of figures that they released that were based on the concept art for Star Wars. The original Star Wars movie? Yeah, New before Hope? the first movie came out. Okay. Ralph McQuarrie did all of the design work for what the aesthetic of everything should be. The costume design, the droids, the technology, the ships, everything about what the universe looks like. And some of those things survived into the final look, and other things were kind of revised. And they did a bunch of figures based on on those concept designs. So you do have, like, Han Solo, the way he was illustrated in, in these designs. And it looks very different from what the final result was. But the ones I got were for the two droids, for C-3PO and R2-D2, the way they looked in that artist rendering style. Mm-hmm. And C-3PO had a very different look. He had a more of like a, let's say, a Metropolis-inspired look. If you remember what the robot in Metropolis yeah, looks like. that's true. That does look like that. Uh-huh. So it was a little more like that. And it was, they still kind of look the same in, in general shape. Like R2 still this squat droid with like a you know chrome dome kind of a look but uh, i just like the look of these two and the fact that they were also supposed to be exclusives to star wars celebration which is a an annual event that they do for star wars and in different locations it's a traveling convention so it, it pops up in different cities every year and they did this one for star wars celebration europe i think mm. it wasn't sold in stores so I thought this was a good chance to get them. There was, it was only 10 bucks for the set. And I don't think they're really worth much. I think I tried looking up the values. It may be, maybe it's 15 online. So that's fine. It's still a deal. Yeah, but the way with toy collecting works is you should always buy for, for what you want, not right. for what it's worth. Plus, you never know. like What might, might not be worth something today could mm-hmm. be worth something in 20 years. Oh, yeah. Well, what I meant was 
I thought I was getting it a good deal of buying it for ten. Oh, I, okay. Is what I meant, and as that opposed was, was to just a okay deal, or yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. Five dollars per figure, if you want to break it down that uh-huh. way. Yeah, it's good enough. Now, how many figures were in that line with the sort of concept art? I don't know offhand, but I would say there's at least seven or eight. Oh, all right. So a lot of the principal mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, it's kind of a nice little look to it. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of a. Almost like a 1930s sci-fi look to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Cool. Yeah. But I think you might have gotten something at this show as well. I can't believe you dragged me out to this place because <laughs> I've been saying for a while that I'm done toy collecting. You know, I buy an occasional Transformer here and there, but mm-hmm. or something, you know, something else I might see, but that's it. I'm done and I don't like to go to these toy shows. <laughs> So you somehow convinced me <laughs> to go to this thing. Uh-huh. And I got to say, I was a little surprised at how much stuff was in this this toy show. I think we went to one like two or three years ago, maybe. No, we had gone to the Wayne Toy Show, which is in Wayne, New Jersey. Yeah. Which is a monthly show that they do, which is a much smaller show. That was the one that we had went to previously. Okay. Yeah, and that was, like, sort of not that impressive. Mm-hmm. I used to go to them a lot in the, like, late 90s, maybe early 2000s, mostly, like, late 90s. That's when, like, my peak toy collecting was. Yeah. I never really had much luck at these things. They were usually, like, really old toys. You know, if this was in the 90s, it was usually, like, you know, 70s stuff or, like, real old, like, tin and aluminum toys. So, I don't know, I never really had luck, but this one was... I felt like it was walking into a time machine. There were toys mint and packaged that I haven't seen either, like, since the 80s or, like, ever. Like, since the Sears catalog. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Christmas book. Right. So, it was it was pretty cool to see a lot of this stuff that I just didn't think was even in existence anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or things that I forgot about and just brought back memories. So, uh, I actually kind of enjoyed it, you know, just to see that stuff in person. Like, some rare items um was, but you weren't tempted to buy any of them right um there was a side of me that well i was i was just telling one of the vendors there about how the same story of how like i used to be really be a hardcore toy collector in, in the 90s mm-hmm. and you know when i looked for stuff like this i couldn't find it and now it's you know 20 30 years later now i'm seeing it and you know now i'm not collecting this stuff anymore so i can't get back into it but mm-hmm. but it's weird that back then it was only maybe 10 years since that right, stuff was gone right. so you and you couldn't be find it to find yeah mm-hmm. so that's why i'm like more shocked to see this stuff you know in box and everything it's like man this is incredible mm-hmm. so yeah um i was tempted to buy a lot of stuff <laughs> this was a big <laughs> this was a big place but i i was very good about my money and uh i spent wisely which is funny because this is like probably an item you can buy anywhere but it's the pixel mario 8-bit uh, World of Nintendo figure, mm-hmm. which I've talked about previously on this podcast. I have the whole collection. You can buy them right now. They're the in Pixel Toys R Us. And, yeah, it's like a little like three-inch high mm-hmm. pixel, uh, like a... Um, like a sprite version. Yeah, like a little like figure mm-hmm. of a character from the NES games. So uh, I have the whole collection except for one I was missing, and it's the black and white Mario. Mm-hmm. Now, why he's black and white, don't know. It's a variant figure. Yeah. And it's only sold in Walgreens. Mm-hmm. And there really isn't a Walgreens around me where I live, so it's been kind of hard to track down. So I found it. It was the same price as Walgreens sells it for, so I, I bought it. And it was funny because it was a couple of boots that had the same item, but for like double the price. Right. But I saw it there, and it was regular retail price, so I just picked it up. 
So I was kind of glad now I have that collection done. <laughs> I also found, and this was sort of an impulse buy, mm-hmm. but it was this G.I. Joe figure in the package, but the figure is translucent. Mm-hmm. It was like a blue translucent, almost like the old like Tron figures from the 80s, like yeah. that kind of look. And like, I don't really I try not to collect G.I. Joe figures, but that figure just looked really unique and cool. And I never saw it before. I didn't even heard of it. So I immediately looked it up, and I didn't really see much on it, so... Um, Which one was that? Do you remember? Was, was it, like, the Wraith? Mercenary Wraith, I think he's mm-hmm. called. Okay. It's from 2008. That's what the booth where I bought the, the Nintendo character from. So then I saw the figure. I think he was asking, like, 20 or something for it. And, and the card wasn't perfect. It was a little bit, like, curled in the corners. So as I was walking away, I talked to the guy. I was like, oh, you know, hey, by the way, would you take 10 for this? He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Mm. <laughs> he's like, the card's a little messed up anyway. I'll take 10. So I was like, oh, cool. So I bought that, and uh, my final item was video game related, finally. <laughs> <laughs> or, or tabletop electronic related. I, I should say that, because, you know, like I said, I, I went to a lot of toy shows, and in the past, I've never seen video game stuff at a toy show before. Mm-hmm. But this one, in particular, had an actual, like, arcade room with, like, consoles set up to play... And this was, it was very big because it had like four vendor rooms, right? Right. And then like a console room area with like some arcades and consoles and a lot of tables of selling old video games. Mm-hmm. So I found this one mixed in actually on one of the toy tables though. And it's a boxed tabletop mm-hmm. game of Astro Command by Epoch. I was unsure about buying it. They were asking 25 And I looked at it and I was like... I, I, something, I think I might have this one already. And I was telling the girl uh, who, behind the table, I was like, you know, you know, I, this looks good. I like these things, but I think I have this. I'm just not totally sure. So then finally, um, she, you know, she saw like I was interested and she took $5 off. She said, you know what? Just take it for 20 And, you know, if you have it, then you'll have two. You'll have one in the box, she said. Yeah, that's right. Because if I do have it, it, it was going to be not in the box. So I took a chance. I, I bought it for 20 and uh, it turns out that I do have it, but um, number one, it's loose. And number two, the one I have is the Radio Shack version of Astro Command, mm-hmm. not the Epoch version. Okay. So I don't know what the main... I have to really put them side by side because it's in storage right now, but uh, I'd have to see if there's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, anytime I could pick up a tabletop game for like 20 bucks, that's a total score for me. Whether or not, like, that's, like, eBay value or not, but, right. you know, I still, that's, that. Almost, you like them, so what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the few things I'll still collect, if I can find them at a good price. Mm-hmm. They had some Game & Watch, they had, uh, they had some tabletops, but, you know, nothing was really reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. I think there was, like, a cement factory for, um, 100 or something like that. No idea. Um, there was a little Game & Watch for 60, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know, but... That was, those are my fines. So like thirty five dollars for mm-hmm. everything. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I spent like too bad. forty for the day, so that's a cheap it's like the price of a movie and a meal, I guess. <laughs> I guess. For four. Yeah. It's just more clutter, that's it. I mean I don't have room for the stuff, so right, right. it's ridiculous. It goes from like you know, their boxes to my boxes pretty much. Right. Uh well, I gotta say I'm sorry that I tempted you by bringing you to the show because I know you were trying to stay clean. I've been trying to sell stuff off because I have too mm-hmm. much. I feel it's fine to just get rid of the stuff you don't like or don't want anymore. 
and then you know make make room for stuff you do want. That's I try to do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you, you get to a point where you sold all the stuff you really don't want, right? And now it's like, well, here's the stuff I do want, but I don't really want to get rid of it yet, and I still don't have room for it. At yeah, all. right. <laughs> so I'm sort of at that point. I mm-hmm. think. All right. Well, I have a, I have a ton of stuff to get rid of still, so I I feel like I can recoup some space. Yeah. Besides toys, I was a big comic book collector for a long time too. So I have many, many, many boxes of comics that, unfortunately, are probably not worth very much. But that'll make it probably easier to get rid of them. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about I sold getting off. a good price for them. When did I sell my comics off? Two years ago? I got, like, really nothing for them. They were worth mm-hmm. a dollar a comic. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But you never know, because you could have a hundred, and then you have that one copy that mm-hmm. happened to be, like, you know, the one that everyone wants. So Right. Yeah, so that's a whole other thing. Books are the worst because they're so heavy. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing to collect. Yeah, if you can manage your space, I guess it's it's good if you have enough shelving or whatever. But and some- you can't really display comic books, you know? At least like a, a toy or something you could put on a shelf. Right. Yeah, if you're going to... There's ways... You can frame... Like, I used to frame some of my Transformer comic books. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's fine, but after a while, you know, it's like, what else do you do? Well, that sort of makes them inaccessible as a book. You can't really read them that way, obviously. <laughs> to really read the comic books? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Why would else I just I like read? the covers. Ah, well, all right. Uh, there's ways to... I just buy them for the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> is that your... Is that your motto? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's the sad thing is I've had... Com- I have comics that I bought 20 years ago that I still haven't read. It wasn't on my list of things to read that week, and then I just got put away, and that's it. Never saw it, never saw it from it again. Now you can get it all digitally. That's kind of where I've been going with comics, yeah. See, I was thinking, like, with digital comics, can't you just... You can read them on digitally, and then if, you, if like, for me, if I really like the cover, can't I just print the cover out? I suppose. Through, through the app, or... Uh, I don't know if they do that. Okay. I'm not sure. But I guess you can screen capture it and Let's print it. Say, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of options nowadays for, for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. without taking up tons of space in your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, space is, is a premium, especially mm-hmm. in New York. I can agree with that. So, yeah, so I, you know, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That was, what was it called again? The Toy Con? It was the NJ Toy Con. NJ Toy Con, okay. Yeah. And actually, we squeezed in something else that day, too. Yeah, we did somehow make it back into New York, and we went to the Synth Expo. Right. In Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to it last year. It's a, It was at a small indie music store. It's a music store, and they have all companies that make synthesizers. Korg, mm. Yamaha, Electron, all these big companies. And Roland. Roland, right, yeah. They, they set up little tables with their upcoming new equipment or, you know, current equipment. Mm-hmm. And you can demo it. You can try it out. You can maybe even buy it. Right. Some of them offer discounts. Um, you know, modular synthesizers are really popular right now in the music scene. Mm-hmm. I would like to collect some of that stuff. I, I like synthesizers and keyboards, but it's a lot of investment and it's big. It's, yeah, it's, it, we're talking four, four digit, <laughs> uh, you know, cost, them, yeah. investment cost on some of this stuff. Yeah. So it's not a casual hobby. It is, a, it is a more expensive hobby. Uh-huh. Especially if you're not a working musician where at least some... Yeah, you, you can't say, well, I'll make that money back with my you music. You recoup it <laughs> in some way. But I, and I'm, and I consider myself more of a hobbyist than, than even the level that you dabble at. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm still like 
tempted by some of this gear. It looks like it, it sounds awesome and it, it's, it's a real joy to play, but you know, it's just something that I do on the side and it's not really anything that I'm ever going to make money at. So, yeah. so it is hard to justify, but, but listen, people spend thousands on all kinds of hobbies. So it's just another one of those things. I guess. Yeah. It's nice when you have that type of money to throw around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't buy a synthesizer for $35 like you can it with toys. Right. Unfortunately. That's true. But, yeah. Uh, it was good know. to see though. It was yeah, good to, yeah. to mess around. So it, and It was a busy weekend. Get ideas. Yeah. I was, I haven't had much time to play the games, but I did continue working on my Ouya issues mm-hmm. that I talked about last week. So just to follow up real fast. I had that thumbstick, so I, I copied everything. I forget even where I, where I got up to last week, but I went to copy everything on a 16-gigabyte thumb drive, and I realized that the ROMs don't fit on there. Mm-hmm. I have too many ROMs. I have like 49 gigs or something. I had to use my 128-gig uh, thumb drive. Mm-hmm. So I copied everything over, so now I want to test it to see how it works. So I, I plug it in, and... Lo and behold, the Ouya, the ports, they're so close together, I can't plug that thumb drive in along with the HDMI cable. They don't fit at the same time. Oh, unbelievable. So now I had to find an extension cord Uh for the the thumb drive. (laughs) So I searched around. I do have one. I have a short one. It's like six inches or something. So I put that in. I tested it out, you know, started it up. And it turns out that you can't just drag and drop the Ouya games from one external drive to another. You need to like go in through the OS and do it through that way. Like tell it, you know, I want to install this onto an external. Mm-hmm. So I go into the game to move, you know, the game from the external drive to the other external drive. Unfortunately, there's no way to do that on the Ouya either. You can only move installed games from internal to external and vice versa. There's no way to have two external drives at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's a dilemma I ran into, and I made the decision that I was just going to wipe the whole Ouya drive, you know, factory reset it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just download all the games over again, one by one, you know, onto, onto the new drive. Okay. I figured that would be just as fast as moving everything. Because really what I'd have to do is move everything to the internal, and then move everything back to the external again. So it's like a two-step process. Just to, just to let the system know that that's where the game lives. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to re- factory reset it. I never did it since I got it. And the, the machine's been kind of like sluggish anyway, especially from what I hear from other people, like mine seems unusually like really laggy and slow. So, you know, I, there's been a lot of system updates. So let me just go fresh. You know, maybe there's a bad corrupted cache file or something. So that's what I did. I factory reset it and immediately the screen comes up that says, please enter your account to continue. And, of course, I don't have my password written down anywhere. (laughs) Uh, I usually have good record keeping on all my passwords. For some reason, the Ouya password, I don't have the account. So, uh, I... So, you can't progress into the Auntie or Ouya. When you get a new Ouya, you have to either set up a new account or use your existing account. Mm -hmm. So, because I do have some purchases tied to it, you know, I want to use my existing account... So it didn't work. So I did a password reset. And for some reason, it's not accepting the new password. Uh, I tried on the website and I tried on the Ouya itself. 
So I don't know why that is. I already reset the password three times, thinking that maybe it's my mistake. I'm typing in, you know, a capital or a number that's wrong or something. But no, it's definitely something weird going on. Mm-hmm. So now the problem is, I don't, you know, Ui is not around anymore. They got bought out by Razor. I, I don't know who to contact. I have to figure it out. Like, I have to contact somebody and, and find out, like, you know, hey, guys, I reset my password, but now I can't access my Ouya because that new password's not being recognized. Mm-hmm. So now what? That is very strange that you can't just do it through the website. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. This should be an easy automated thing. You would think that's an easy process, right? Mm-hmm. But apparently not. <laughs> so my Ouya woes continue. Mm-hmm. And like I said last week, it's probably way more effort than this is all worth. Yeah. I'm probably wasting a lot of time. But, you know, I have a little OCD, you know. You kind of want it where you, you know, you want to get it to that point where it's like the way you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But we we did, before I, we factory reset it, I did play some em- emulators. We played a little bit Galaga 88, was it? On Total yeah. Graphics? Yeah. Um, or from Jim on Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. What else did I fire up? You you, bought, you played a bunch of Turbo games. And Turbo Graphics. You, play, um, you, play, you tried uh, you, you tried Ninja Gaiden. Oh yeah. You tried some. Uh, Which actually is, is better than I thought it was on the Turbo Graphics. I think it's better than the NES version. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more similar to the NES version than it is to the arcade game. Yeah, I always thought it was the arcade port, but mm-hmm. it's not. I'm surprised. Okay. Yeah. That, and I think you tried out Shinobi as well, a little bit of it. A little bit of Shinobi, which, yeah, that was tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's too bad, because those, I mean, those are pretty well-known games, even back then. Mm-hmm. And those weren't released in the U.S. Oh, Ghouls and Ghosts, too. I checked out. Right. Yeah, those games, are, they ported pretty well for the Turbo Graphics, but you told me, like, Ghouls and Ghosts was for Super Graphics. Right. So right, weird. so that's not even, it's not a game that would have worked on the U.S. Turbo Graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out, you know, well after that. I think if they had at least gotten some of the better titles from Japan, the system would have had a better chance. Once it was up against the Super NES and the Genesis, I think, it was an uphill battle. Yeah. But still, by then they had moved on to CD-ROM games anyway. The CD expansion was out. And a lot of the good games came out on CD, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if they had those some of those better, well-known, more name-recognizable titles, I mm-hmm. think they might have had a better shot. Yeah, seems like but, it. But, you know, Sega did have the established arcade games, so it was kind of hard to compete with. Mm-hmm. So, I also tried to get an NES Mini. Right. <laughs> and I thought it was going to be pretty easy on Amazon to get it. Uh-huh. So, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to buy it on Amazon, because... Like, 99% of the time, they're reliable for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, it came time, they posted up, I think it was on Twitter or something, where I got an email from them that says, hey, you know, it's going on sale 5 o'clock Eastern. So, okay, I was ready in front of my computer, 5 p.m., and I don't know if you tried this, but mm-hmm. apparently, I'm sure everyone's read about this already on the gaming forums and stuff, but I, so I had my cell phone that wasn't connected to Wi-Fi, that was going through 4G, and then I had my my desktop that was connected through Ethernet. So I figured, all right, I have two different connections. I'm bound to get a hit somewhere on one of these two devices. <laughs> you know, it came like a minute before. I'm like refreshing, refreshing, nothing. And then like the moment it was like 4.59, boom, like the, the site went down. 
Mm-hmm. So what, what is it? A four hundred four or something like that, right? Or five hundred five? Well, in this, in my case, I didn't get an error. I just got a blank screen. Blank screen. Yeah, I got that too. But in the beginning, it was giving me that. It said like, "Oops, you know, we're so we have a problem or something," uh-huh. which I've never seen since I started using Amazon. What, like twenty years ago? Like that's you know, it's, they've perfected a lot of this stuff by now. So I was really shocked to see that. And uh, you know, I kept refreshing, and then sometimes it would say in stock. And then I would press add to cart, and then it would take me to my cart, and there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. And now I have to like, oh, now I have to find the you know the web page again where the NES was. So I tried for about fifteen minutes, and it got to a point where as I'm as I'm refreshing both devices, I'm also bringing up Twitter on my iPad and looking up to see if other people are having issues. And then of course I'm reading the same thing like I'm trying to buy on Amazon, and you know, the pages don't load, and all this right. stuff. So. So anyway, I do have a screenshot of <laughs> where it said it was in stock, but for some reason it, it wouldn't let me add it to my cart. And mm-hmm. I don't have one, but it's okay. I think it's going to be in enough supply by Christmas time. Eventually supplies will catch up. Yeah. I think it's just the initial right. allotment. It's, it's always like that with Nintendo stuff. They I... always short release it and the demand is always you know amped up for it. Mm-hmm. Every single time. So I don't know if this is a strategy of theirs to create this sort of air of desirability by making it hard to get. I can't imagine that that's an effective business model for a company that is struggling to right. continue to make profits. But I think it is a strategy that some people think is in effect, that uh, that they're doing this just to sort of hype themselves a bit and amp up demand. But it, they announced this thing months ago and... I think they probably had a pretty good idea of what the demand was going to be like. Yeah. Because they pull this stuff all the time. Yeah. And it's like, guys, get your act together. This company's been around for over 100 years. They know how to run a business. So it's, pe- it's, I, I, I still say it's obvious that they did, they do this on purpose. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. I, I think maybe they're being ultra conservative in, in the case of just not be, wanting to get stuck with excess inventory that's unsold. But surely they had to know that people would want this thing. They should fire their marketing manager then, because <laughs> anyone would have known this was going to be a hot item. Mm-hmm. I imagine there are going to be some people that tried to get one as soon as they learned that they were available and went to some effort to try to get one, and then they come away empty-handed, and they're not, mm-hmm. they're not excited. They're not more excited because they couldn't get one. Right. They're discouraged, and they're, they're upset about it, and they, they just say, forget about it. I don't want it anymore. Right, I know. I mean, it's in like it's in the Target flyer, both mm-hmm. in in their Christmas book and in their weekly book. So now, how many people go in there saying, "Oh yeah, can I have this?" And then the employee says, "Oh, you know, we we don't care, we don't even have this anymore." But here's the Genesis version of this, you know. Oh right, them, sure. And sell them something, you know, or the Atari version, and mm-hmm. sell them something instead. I don't know. I, I can't imagine that it's it's a good thing. <laughs> to, for people to it's, feel it's that mostly way. resellers who contribute to this too mm-hmm. because you know as soon as there's just like a tiny hint of something might be a hot seller they're out there buying like five to ten or more as many they can buy you know to, and flip them on ebay mm-hmm. yeah it's too bad but hopefully buyers are smart enough to not give in to those ridiculous prices right yeah just don't don't buy them at anything above retail if, if ne- never do that on a brand new item if we not. starve out the resellers they will have less incentive to do this next time nintendo's gonna make more of these mm-hmm. i promise <laughs> that's what they said they were very quick to get on twitter 
and Nintendo issued a statement saying, we realize this is a hot item, that it gives them a chance to brag about how much people want one. And at the same time, they say, we're working hard to get more supplies out there and, and try to get one for everybody who wants one. Yeah. And they say they're going to keep making it into the new year, even past the holiday season. Of course, yeah. They're going to have some... Well, they have all controller line to go with it and everything else, so... I think that we're trying to get the word out that this isn't a one-off, one-run kind of a thing. Or this isn't something special that we're doing just for this holiday season. We're going to keep, you know, making these as as long as people are are buying them, so... Plus, they have nothing else to sell this Christmas, so... <laughs> well, that's... I mean, they're so desperate, they're reissuing Amiibos from last year. Hey. Or, or the year before. I don't mind that. that I, a, I'm not saying it's bad, no. There's a few that I need still. Yeah. So, if there's Amiibos you missed on the first run, mm-hmm. check out the stores, because they've got all the originals in now. Yeah. Sonic, Mega Man, all those guys. Right. Yeah, those are on my want list, so I'm going to try to get... Hopefully, there's some kind of sale. <laughs> there was. You just missed it. I, there was yeah, not. Toys R Us had a sale. Uh, two for 20. Two for 20? I don't know. That's not a sale? I could do better than that. <laughs> You're a tough customer. <laughs> it's already 10.39 at Best Buy with my GCU discount. Oh, all right. So, well, in that case. So well, I need, you know how I, it is. If you miss, if you wait too long, then the characters you want are going to be gone. That did happen. So you're gonna, <laughs> history's going to repeat itself. Um, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live on the edge. Come on, you need these. You need these move When the Switch comes out, you're going to wish you had them. Because you think so? You think they're going to do that? They're going to come out with Switch games that rely on yes. Amiibos that are out of print? Yeah, sure. Uh, that'd be terrible. Why well, not? it'll give them more reason to reprint them yet again. Yeah. They can always just keep recycling the catalog right. around, and I guess until, you know, it's just oversaturated, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm... I'm Definitely looking for an NES Classic. I'm even considering the the uh, Famicom Classic version, the Japanese version of uh, this console. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I can pay double for that one. That's a lot of money. Even at the $60 is a lot of money. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing in this thing. Right. It's a it's a chip in a plastic shell. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> for, for games that I'm personally not going to play, mm-hmm. but I just think the box looks cool. You know, that's... You know, it's a whole collector's mindset. Right. As well, we talked about. Well, that's know. just it. It's, it's a nice presentation. They did a yeah. nice job with, with creating a miniaturized version of the console that everybody remembers. It'd be fun to plug in, like, one time and say, okay, yeah, okay, I've, I've played these, you know, a billion times already. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And put it back but there are box. real games on this thing. You could, if you theoretically have never played Final Fantasy, you can... I'm not playing Final Fantasy. You can play it. <laughs> yeah. we, have, we have other options, and we have many ways to play these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some people, it's just going to be more fun for them to do it through oh, the yeah, product. Oh, yeah, sure, definitely. That's cool. I, I like that they have a variety, though. I like that they included a Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll come back. Mm-hmm. So that's been my week. Yeah. And part of my week, too. Yeah. But the other part of my week involved the game. I played a game that I bought, I guess, on the Xbox 360 back when it first came out, and somehow have never played it, but I didn't play it on the Xbox, I played it on the PC. I'm talking about a game called Limbo. Mm. Now, you might have heard of this game, and I'm sure a lot Finally, of people have. Finally, a game that I've played also. Mm-hmm. It was originally released as an exclusive on Xbox Live Arcade on July 21st of mm. 2010. That was during the 2010 Summer of Arcade. It was 
the time when Microsoft was making the big indie push and really trying to get original games on Xbox Live. So it was one of the things that they that sort of spearheaded that whole movement. Uh, but I ended up playing it on PC this time because it was given away on June of this year to celebrate their new game called Inside. Uh, this, is by, this is by a developer called Play Dead. And that new game has gotten great reviews now that it's finally out. It came out in June of uh, 2016. And I thought, well, I really should play Limbo finally before I play Inside. Why would you say that, though? I don't think they're related. They're not related, but they're of a, a similar type of game. Mm. There's a lot of similarities. So why not play the game I already have before I buy the, okay. other, the other game? Well, it was a great game. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard, and that's that's kind of why I wanted to finally get around to it. So I ended up playing my my the version that I had on Steam, just because it was more convenient for me to, to play that one. And you've seen the game before. You know what it looks like. I think you might have played it yourself. A very sort of distinctive looking game because it's got that monochrome black and white style, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a dark uh, looking game. It's Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it has a film grain quality to it, too. It's not completely hard black and white. It's more of like, um, you could say it's monochrome, but I think black and white alludes more to film. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a, it's a more apt description for the game. The art style reflected in this look, it's it's not just that it looks like an old-style cartoon, maybe from the 30s or something, but it also evokes sort of a storybook look. I think the graphics lend themselves to like sort of an illustrated children's book or something like that. You have your main character who doesn't seem to have a name, just the boy, and uh, you do see his eyes glowing. I think it's just a way to sort of let him project some kind of emotion or just to know what, what he's looking at. Also, there's no text or speech of any kind in this game. There's no on-screen HUD to indicate health or anything like that. It's just not a factor in this game. Broadly speaking, it's you can think of it as like a platformer, but it's sort of like a side-scrolling, sort of an adventure game, sort of a platformer, sort of a puzzle platformer. Um, it's a combination of a couple of different elements, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the ads for the game say that the boy has entered this world of Limbo to search for his sister. Although the game itself doesn't really provide any kind of exposition to explain the hows and whys of any of that. Like what came before, what, what led to this, and how is he able to do this? You don't get any sense of that. There's sort of uh, no clues of how to sort of address the puzzles and obstacles that you run into. Just kind of just use your wits and, and navigate this world as as best as you know you can. I do notice I have the ability to jump in the game, and I have uh, among my first abilities um, the ability to climb, and also you do get a small hint in the sense that when he's near an object that he can interact with, he'll extend his arms a little bit slightly. His arms will come up as if he's ready to grab something, so that gives you at least uh, sort of a heads up that. You know, this is something that you can grab or pull or climb. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that I'm threatened with in the game, a pair of bear traps (laughs) that uh, step into and, you know, the boy meets a grizzly and right away. (laughs) The deaths are pretty gruesome, some of them, right? Yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. It's a little shocking. 
it's very um, very physics based the the objects in this game so mm-hmm. objects will bounce and kind of come apart in creative ways every time based on uh, just how they're interacting another major element and I, I don't think I'm giving this away necessarily um, uh, a very large spider is encountered very early on in the game because I've seen this sort yeah, of advertised. If you play the demo, that's kind of where it ends, right there at the spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like other puzzle platformers of this type, there's no real penalty for dying. Uh, you simply kind of respawn nearby and give it another chance to solve the puzzle, and you do die a lot in the pro- in the process of playing the game. And I think a lot of the aspects of this game too are just sort of putting yourself in the shoes of this child and trying to understand what's happening around you. Uh, you're kind of alone. You start off kind of lost in the woods. You can't really see very far. Everything's very hazy because of the graphical sort of presentation style of the game. And, you know, just the world in general just seems very dark and gloomy and scary. But, you know, after encountering this, this spider, it, it kind of puts a different spin on things because at first I'm wondering, like... Is this sort of like a fantasy world where these, you know, creatures like a giant spider could exist? Or is this sort of um, a child's view of the world, you know, where everything is mysterious and unknown and everything's like, you know, the threats are kind of magnified in some way because you're sort of vulnerable because, you you know, you don't know, you don't know the world and you don't know what the world holds. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is a combination of those things. Um, but I think there's also sort of a deliberate ambiguity about what it really means like what's really happening is he in a fantasy world where something like this could exist or is this just a world of his imagination going going wild you know there's a little bit of that of of both i think but he's not there alone there's other childlike figures around him some of them appear to be pretty hostile uh they'll do things like roll burning tires at me or um, there's one point where I think I'm about to encounter another spider, but then it turns out it's one of those other kids just moving like a mechanical spider leg. Yeah. And they kind of fool you into thinking you're about to run into another one. There's other things, too, that you run into. And, uh, you know, again, I don't, don't want to really give away the whole game here. So I'm kind of trying to tiptoe around certain things. <laughs> but one of the things that you run into very commonly throughout this game are these, these weird brain slugs. They introduce a really peculiar mechanic in the game. So, basically, and you can't avoid these things because when you do encounter them, this is what the game wants you to do. There's times where you walk underneath uh, some kind of an overhang and one of these slugs will fall onto your head. And they appear as these bright, glowing, worm-like things that kind of attach themselves to the top of the head of, uh, of the boy. And... What happens is they force him to move in one direction only. There is some control. Um, I can control the rate of movement, and I can, con- you know, I can hold myself back a little bit, or I can walk forward a little more forcefully. But I'm forced to move only along that one direction. And the only thing that turns that around is if he steps into the light. If he steps into the light, you'll hear like a bit of a burning, sizzling sound. And uh, he'll be able to re- he'll he'll be forced to reverse direction. There's ways to sort of interact with that. 
just those two elements of the light plus the the slight control of movement lets you sort of unravel that particular type of puzzle. Eventually, you get to these um, sort of snapping kind of plant-like things. I don't really know what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They're just these other things that are that like to eat these glowing worms, <laughs> and that's how you finally remove them from yourself. Uh, but that seems to be their only reason for being in the game. They're not, they're not hostile to me directly. Uh, now I'd say one of the most frustrating parts of the game, and this is worse than dealing with the giant spider is this giant mosquito that I run, that I run into in one part. And, and like, what's, what's with this game and giant bugs for, for one thing. But apart from that, this mosquito appears to be feeding on something. And then when I get close to it, it, it jumps up and runs and you know flies away. But it seems obvious that I have to deal with this mosquito somehow because I can't progress past it. I have to use it somehow. And, um, what ends up happening is I have to like approach it slowly and don't startle it. So it doesn't fly away. So the analog, uh, movement matters quite a bit in this case. It probably took me about six tries to finally realize how to catch it. I sort of have mm-hmm. to lunge at it before it starts to move. And that's how it, I'm able to catch it. And then it helps me It helps me progress in that area. There's a few different settings in the game in terms of its locale. I mean, it starts off in a forest and it eventually moves towards like a more of an artificial constructed environment. But... Uh, that's kind of the totality of the world that this game takes place in. Some other hazards in the game, you might have to deal with rolling boulders, rolling down a hill. There's a series of traps that involve trees that, you know, might be collapsing branches. You might have to like climb a tree to like knock a branch down so you can cross a river or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, There's electric signs that you got to worry about, like these big neon signs that if you step on them, you get electrocuted. And there's ways to sort of navigate that hazard. Uh, there's circular saws that <laughs> lead to very interesting uh, physics-based mm-hmm. deaths in the game, where um, especially when you're under the the brain slug control, you have to sort of figure out how how do I get past this saw without being able to like step back. So that's a bit of an interesting challenge. But even just straight up enemies, there's just simple puzzles to work through. And that's a bulk of what the gameplay is like. It's like sort of physics-based puzzle platforming. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the, the, the crux of what the game has to offer. So uh, at one point, I do get webbed up by the spider. And I have to function almost like a mummy, where I can't really run. I have to just sort of hop along. And uh, a nice little touch occurs when like he's got a bit of webbing stuck to his head after he finally gets loose from this <laughs> this scenario. I have to clear past tree trunks while the while the spider is chasing me at one point. Um, then kind of use like a boulder to get rid of the spider. The spider comes back even after all that, and I have to use the spider's body even as a as a tool to get past like a spike pit, you know, just use the, the, the spider of, or what's left of the spider. Interesting stuff like that. There's situations where like you might find a, a corpse of some other creature and use that to like trigger a trap so that it, you don't get caught instead. There's uh, some backtracking that does occur. Not a whole lot. There's some like areas where like um, I have to backtrack across these traps that 
like if you get caught in them, you get you get flattened, <laughs> um, and eliminate some enemies with like uh, that are using blow darts. They're trying to use blow darts against against me. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, you never quite figure out what the deal is with the other kids in, that you run into in the game. They seem hostile, but you don't know why. You know, maybe I'm just I don't in their territory. That. Okay. Yeah. I forget those kids. Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of there as background, but I don't really know. Like, I thought some of this stuff would get revealed as as time went on mm-hmm. or as as play progressed, but unfortunately, they didn't they didn't really uh, resolve any of that. Um, there's one part where I have to herd this tiny little creature who sort of comes out and, you know, finds, tries to find something to eat. And I have to herd him into like this hamster wheel by luring it. And, um, he ends up powering a machine that causes like it to start raining. And on the next screen, uh, a raft is used that floats up from the rain. So there's a lot of stuff where it's like, one thing happens and it causes something else to to occur, and then you kind of build on that to progress further. A lot, a lot of that kind of thing. And if you like puzzles, then this is this is good for that. Of course, we've got a minecart area. <laughs> it seems mm-hmm. required for games of this type. That helps to get through some electrified floors and like more buzz saws. There's also a rotating room that. If I throw like a certain lever or I place a cog a certain way, it causes the room to rotate. And I think that was an interesting way to kind of mix up uh, the mechanics of what was going on. There's other hazards too. There's things like gun turrets and pressure plates and um, interesting bits where gravity even gets flipped. Um, There's magnetized services that you can play around with. So a lot of variety, a lot of interesting sort of interactions. Another thing that I think sets this game apart from games similar to this, like I played Fez not too long ago, mm-hmm. and um, I think in that game, there wasn't a lot of, I would say, mechanical skill in navigating the platforms. Uh, I think in this game, it matters a lot more. Timing and your ability as a, as a platformer matter a whole lot more. There is an emphasis on the actual action going on in this game as opposed to just working out the puzzles. The sound and the music in the game, I thought, were used pretty effectively, creating sort of this uneasy tension a lot of times. Kind of like um, the music you would hear if something creepy happened and the hair stood on the back of your neck, you know, like uh, when the spider first appears. Is there music? There is a lot of sort of ambient tones and... Okay things to create this mm-hmm. mood of dark fear. Like, right. um, there's one point where this figure shambles towards you and you don't know what's going on with them. And you hear like very, uh, horror kind of a theme. That, um, there's one portion where the gravity is, is flipped around and there's a sort of an increasing rhythm that happens. And that's kind of used as a cue to tell you when to move in the game. So this is a part of the game where the music actually kind of interacts with the gameplay. Now, there are some secrets in the game, too. There's these secret eggs to collect uh, that usually translate to an achievement of some kind or a trophy. They're usually in places a little bit off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. So if you do a certain something to unlock the current puzzle and lets you progress forward, if you sort of back up a little bit and look around the corners, you might find some of these secret eggs. And I think there's 10 in all. I don't know if that's true in all versions of the game, but at least in the one that I played. Yeah, I don't remember even going for those things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think, well, so what happens is if you're able to get all of them, okay. at least in the PC version, it unlocks a secret chapter in the really? game. Yeah. Huh. So there's an area in the game where you go into a dark cave and you can't see anything. Okay. You can't tell what's going on. And during your normal playthrough, you'll end up hitting a wall and then you won't be able to go further. But if you come back to this point after you've gotten all the secret eggs, it unlocks like a whole uh, extra chapter. Uh, And I played a little bit of that one. It's very dark. You can't see anything Mm -hmm. at all. You just see the kid's eyes glowing. You have to rely on sound and just based on the movement of the eyes to tell what's going on in the dark. Uh, so that one was a bit of a challenge. I haven't finished that one yet. Um, I might go back to it, though, just to see what happens. But now, if I remember correctly, that game doesn't really have stages. It's just one continuously long right. level. So did, did you beat the game? or? Well, yeah, I got to the end, and it's a fairly short game. Yeah, so then how did you... Yeah, from the menu, if you pause the game, okay. it says load chapters, and it shows you, like, a strip oh, okay. of each save point. All right. Yeah. So yeah, it is a seamless game. There's no levels. The game silently saves your progress in the background. Like little chapter points. Okay. Yeah, and there isn't even anything on the screen that tells you the game is saving or that mm-hmm. you've gotten past the current chapter. You know, at any time you can quit and then lets you reload from from the last point that you played from. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little something extra that was added. I've learned in the subsequent versions after the 360 version. So. Like I said, it's on PC. It was also released on PS3, Windows and Mac. Those were released in 2011, following the Xbox version that was released in 2010. Also, in 2011, there was a... Even though this was a downloadable game Mm -hmm. on Xbox Live, there was a physical version that was released in stores. It came on an uh, an Xbox Live arcade compilation with uh, two other games. It came with Trials HD and Explosion Man, along with Limbo on, on yeah, one disc. Yeah, I remember disc. that. Okay. So following those releases, it was also released on uh, iOS and uh, PlayStation Vita in 2013, and also uh, Linux, Android, PS4, and Xbox mm-hmm. One in 2014. So a lot of different systems you can get the game on. I think it's uh, worthwhile checking it out. The... Developer of this game, Playdead, they're actually based in Denmark. They were founded in 2006. Some of the team, uh, including the director, uh, someone by the name of Arndt Jensen, and the artist, Morten Bromson, came from a company called IO Interactive, where they worked on games in the Hitman series and uh, another title called Freedom Fighters. Mm. Uh, So yeah, overall, pretty good balance of the game. I think it was... I mean, I don't think I got really stuck anywhere. I thought it was a pretty good pace to it. But I can't help feeling that it's a, just a little bit incomplete. It is a short game, but besides that, I think a lot of the stuff that's introduced in the game is just kind of thrown at you, and you don't really know why. And I don't think there's a point to it. Um, I think it's it's one of those games that's supposed to be just an experience playing it, and it's not really trying to tell a story. Right. Mm-hmm. But... It does leave you with a lot of questions if you're the type that wants like, yeah, a, a resolution. Closure, yeah, mm-hmm. I played it in close to one sitting. I started to play it one night, and then I, I had to kind of uh, quit it at that point. And then I came back to it, and I thought there would be a lot more game, but 
and ended up, I ended up finishing it on my yeah. next uh, playthrough. Mm-hmm. So I think it's worth checking out if you have access to it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's a great game. I, I bought the originally the demo I tried, and I really like the visual, that black and white look to it, very artsy, and just a lot of nice details in like lighting and details in the eyes and stuff. It seemed like a good game. It mm-hmm. was definitely worth even though it was short, but... You know, I don't, I don't mind some. I like short games sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, it's a cheap game, you know. I think, yeah, normally it's like $10. Yeah. But you can find it's it for less. It's on sale a lot, yeah. Quite, you know, quite often. Think, yeah, it was f- free on Xbox Gold or something recently. Mm-hmm. Right. They gave it away in June. Yeah, right. As a promotion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even, even on iOS, I think it's $5. Okay. Um, yeah, so definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Game. Yeah, so I actually had a little more time because it was a short game. I had a little more time to jump into. Oh, look at you, extra credit. <laughs> I, I jumped into some Rocket League this week too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I had gone into it just to try to get all the the Halloween based items that they had released recently. Yeah. Now, it's funny because I thought like I don't know how I'm going to feel coming back to this game because I haven't been playing it for a while. Uh huh. And uh, it turns out. It's like putting on a, an old glove. You, I got right back into it. You're just as good as missing the ball now as you did six months ago. You know, it's funny. I thought, wow, people are going to be so much better than me. Mm-hmm. But I'm still running into a lot of, like, semi-pro and, like, much lower-ranked players than me. Yeah. And I was definitely the lead player in the, at least the matches wow. I was getting in and on. Not to say that I was, like, winning every match or anything, uh-huh. but... At least as far as um, keeping the team together and keeping them on track, uh, it was it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So did you get your items, your Halloween Yeah, I was able decor. to get them. Mm-hmm. I think it took about mm, maybe three hours of playtime. Oh, wow. Okay. Which t- for some people, that's nothing. But right. that would have been tough for me to do. They um, they unlock pretty, pretty quickly. I don't know what the rate is, uh-huh. but... You know, you get new items just by, just by playing the game. Yeah. You don't have to win, necessarily. You the just, game is good. Yeah. It's still fun. Uh-huh. I, I haven't touched it since probably six months, I would say. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, though, my aggression has definitely uh, been a lot less. Like, my overall, like, aggressive attitude. Like, you don't feel as agitated? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Because it does get you worked up. It if gets you... me pretty heated uh-huh. when I play that game. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, it's... Um, it, so it's, maybe it's better for my blood pressure that I don't play it. <laughs> You're very competitive. There's no question. Hey, speaking of that, there was the competition this weekend. Mm-hmm. I didn't... I didn't you watch it? I haven't okay. been following it. No. Yeah, me neither. I'm sure it's... Uh, the wonderful world of esports. It's a big deal for some. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well... I guess moving on, I think uh, even though we talked about a bunch of stuff that we picked up at the toy show, uh, I did have some other item to yeah. talk about. Okay. I, I finally got something that I ordered a little while ago, and it finally showed up, and that's uh, Shovel Knight oh. for PlayStation Vita. This is a game that didn't come out at retail. This was a special, oh, no. a special item that was available through Fangamer. Okay. They worked with Yacht Club Games, the original developer of the of the game, to come out with uh, a physical copy for PlayStation Vita. 
and uh, finally shipped. <laughs> now, these guys do it a little bit differently than a company like Limited Run Games, yeah. where they put up a game for sale and there's only X number of copies available, and, and that's that. Mm-hmm. They Fangamer was taking pre-orders for a while on this, and basically they said, you know, as long as people want one, they can jump in and get one. And I think that's... Uh, that's a smart thing to do. I, that's the way I like <laughs> these sort of things to go. Uh-huh. Because it's still limited. It's still something that you can't get anywhere else. It's still kind of a special item. But nonetheless, it's available for anybody who wants one. Mm-hmm. As opposed to fighting to get one or hoping to get one. One of the 5,000 copies or whatever. So now, when the servers <clears throat> go down mm-hmm. and there's no more... Sony goes out of business. Right. <laughs> You'll be able to still play this game because you'll have a physical copy of it. That's true. Yeah, I, hopefully the DLC is on here. I, I don't know if they mention how much of the actual add-ons are because Shovel Knight's one of those games where the developers said they're going to continue to make new content for I think it. So yeah, I think there's still another update coming. Mm-hmm. So, so um, they'll have to rebuy it again with the update patched into the disc. Yeah, I it, no, it's not a disc. It's a card, right? It's a cartridge, yeah, yeah. or a little, a little mini cart. Uh huh. Um, I notice on the back it does say "not for resale," so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's no barcode on it. That's what I was, I was looking at it. Right, but it does have an ESRB rating on it. Probably because it was released at retail mm-hmm. for other consoles, so it already had this certification. I think so I think so. Yeah. Well, this is one thing that limited run games does does not do. They don't put the ESRB rating on no. their game because they know it's not going to go in, into stores. It's only sold directly through mm-hmm. them. Yep. So it's one less thing on the cover art. I noticed this other one also says PlayStation TV compatible. Yeah. So you know, for that one person that has a PS TV, <laughs> that's right. That happens to be sitting right here because you know I have one. Uh, I, I I ended up getting one too. Oh, you did. I tried. You did get it. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was a, an interesting addition to my Vita library. But don't you already own this game? I originally played it on PC. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually at least a new copy f- for a new platform, is what I, what I should say. And actually, I'll probably end up getting it on Wii U also, because... Why not, right? Because, well, because there's the Shovel Knight Amiibo. Okay. And I thought, well, at least that's some unique aspect for that particular mm. system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They should have packaged the Amiibo with the game. That would have been interesting, right? Yeah. They've done it with a few, but that one kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so there you go. That was my uh, game pickup of the week. Yeah, well, I'm not going to talk about my pickup, so you can forget about it. Uh, I won't mention how it's a very expensive Transformer toy, and I'm not going to tell you that it is a three-foot tall box <laughs> and <laughs> I have absolutely no room for this thing. So I'm not going to mention my insane toy pickup this week. Okay. In addition to all the other toy pickups that I should not have done this week. <laughs> You're not going to tell people what it I'm is. I'm not going to tell you that I bought Fortress Maximus. <laughs> One of the largest transformers ever made. Yeah. He is a city. <laughs> In addition to having a uh, a, a robot mode, he's, uh-huh. he's got a city mode, which is not something that many Transformers can claim. Yeah. Right, like Metroplex. Mm-hmm. I need to get my head examined for buying this stuff. <laughs> but it was at a discount, so I have to say that. Mm-hmm. It was well below what the retail price was on it for it. So, Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it. Mm-hmm. 
And it's actually the second time I bought this thing because I bought it, almost bought it at another point a couple of months ago. But um, it was, I think I thought it was missing pieces because it was an open box item. Right. So I ended up not buying it. So. It paid off. Your patience paid off because, yeah. because you got a brand new one for yeah. about the same price. Uh, less, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even less. Yeah. Even better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I shake my head. Uh, yeah, as do I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Myself. Well, at least I don't buy games that I already own in multiple platforms. <laughs> I have yet. I have to say yet. You have Although standards I, that I, have I don't. Many versions of Pac-Man, but aside from a few games here and there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll get there. So there was a story this week that Blizzard was coming out with a new patch for Diablo Three, where they were going to recreate the original Diablo game within Diablo Three. Right, interesting idea, interesting way of yeah, sort of neat. sort of uh, something for the fans, maybe you know, a way to like replay an older game, but through like the current engine. Uh, so I think during BlizzCon, which is their their big convention promoting all their games, they were asked about possible remasters for Warcraft One and Two. I'm not talking about World of Warcraft. I'm talking about the original Warcraft strategy games. That's was that like the top down? It mm-hmm. looks kind of like Diablo, right? Okay. Yeah, it's a real time strategy game, though. It's not a uh, you know action RPG. It's yeah. more of a strategy game. Mm-hmm. You know, they were asked like, "What's the possibility that you might revive some of the older games in that series? Uh, maybe you know, updating the content or updating the assets and so on." And they said, "While it's possible, they question whether it's worth the effort because they say to themselves." Unlike a lot of game companies, we still have all of this code and all of the art and so on that goes into the game. It's a great game that, that we were proud of at the time that it came out. But they say, by today's standards, they don't consider it a fun game anymore. Uh, a game that came out in 1996 or you know around that time, they yeah. felt they felt like you know things have improved since then, and you know we still play a lot of older games and you know I, I to me i heard this statement i thought wow that's an interesting sort of um statement to make because blizzard's got a few solid titles under their belt but they're kind of known for a few high quality sort of titles right like warcraft is one of their main pillars so why wouldn't they want to preserve that history or bring you know bring that game up to modern standards mm-hmm. and and they feel Listen, it's a simple game compared to what we've we've done since then. Yeah. Well, we've got limited resources of things we could work on. We've got World of Warcraft, our you know their big MMORPG that they continue to crank out new content for. They've got Overwatch, or they've got some new projects in in the works, and they could either spend their time doing that, or they could spend their time rebuilding an old game that they've that they came out with a long time ago. We feel our time is better spent working on on new stuff. And they don't. They don't. They didn't want to sort of go back and and dig up this old stuff. Okay. So, as long as those games are still playable in some way, I think it's still good to be able to pull them up. But just as like, just from a historical sort of point of view, are any of those games multiplayer, like online dependent, or? Uh, I think they. I think they can be played online okay. still. But they have an offline mode. Well, yeah, you can play against the computer if you like, okay. but I think... Uh, I, I don't know nothing about those old original Warcraft games. I've only ever played Warcraft 2, mm-hmm. and I only played just the regular campaign. I didn't play against other players. So I don't really know. I don't have any experience with doing that either. 
but I know that it's possible to still fire up the old game and play it the way it was originally played. Does, does Part 2 have the Mohawk Grenade, or whatever they called it? <laughs> I used to see the commercials all the time. Uh, I think that was made up just for Mr. T, maybe. Was it? Oh, <laughs> wait, know. so was that not a real item? I have no idea. Oh, alright. I remember seeing the commercials for it, but I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that familiar with the game. I know. <laughs> Uh, I assumed it was a gag, but who knows? <laughs> but I think it's rare, though, to hear a company say something like this. To say, like, you know, it's kind of old and outdated and we don't really want to deal with it. <laughs> it's kind of how it translates for me. They're like, nah, it's just going to be problems. Mm-hmm. We know how you <laughs> retro gamer fans are. You're so nitpicky about everything. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what they were getting at? So like, it's just, we're not going to go there. No, I don't know. I don't know. It's. Uh, I mean, if they saw money, if they saw the opportunity to make money on it, I can't see why they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So they must really believe that it would just be a huge undertaking, like to create that. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's some more to the story. Yeah. Well, they do say that also in the in this article. They say that a lot of time has passed, and a lot of the people that worked on it might not be around anymore at the company to sort of lead the effort. You know, people yeah. people forget what they did 20 years ago. It's true. No, I know. Yeah. You, know, and you don't want to put out something that's not as good as what the original was. So. Right. That's not good either. Mm-hmm. That leads to the question of, so what do you think? Like, if you want to play an old game like this, mm-hmm. would you rather play it in its original form? Or would you want it to be dressed up and modernized in some way? I like the, I would play the original. Mm-hmm. I don't like when they remake games. Right. You don't like it because it doesn't feel authentic, or you don't like Usually it... Usually something feels off. Either, like, controls aren't right, or the, the physics aren't... Something's usually not right on a remake. Mm-hmm. It, it's different if it's just, like, an HD remake, you know, where they just up the polygon count or something. That's different, but... Right. When they do, like, especially, like, from pixel to, you know, modern HD, mm-hmm. I don't know, something doesn't feel right. I'm a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. While I do like the game to look as good as it can look... Sometimes there's something special about the way it was originally done. Yeah. And there's no reason to mess with it. Yeah, I say just put the original out. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they do have some of their old games online. Yeah. For free download, as I mentioned when uh-huh. we talked about Blackthorn. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. So, there's... That's it, right. We played some of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I put that on you uh, the other weekend. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we're at the end of this episode for now. Okay. Thanks for listening. Sure. Thanks for hanging in. Mm-hmm. And if there's nothing else, that's it for now. Bye.